Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show's Twitter, which is at Championship Pod. And you can also reach me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Hi, I'm Lewis, um, and I represent Sheffield United on the podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore. Hi, I'm Kevin, editor of Leeds United Mad website, and also on Twitter on Leeds United underscore Mad. And you can follow me on there anytime you like. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. It's another week of me going to moan about Preston, so uh, we'll get straight into it. <laughs> um, I'll start by running through the results over the weekend. Obviously, we had the one game on the Friday night where Wigan, again, carried on that fantastic start to the season, beating Bristol City 1-0. Then we moved into yesterday's games. Aston Villa lost 2-1 at home to Sheffield Wednesday, and one of the goals in that game, which I'll get onto in a bit, is one of the best goals I've ever seen from the particular angle. Derby County beat Brentford 3-1. Ipswich and Bolton drew 0-0. Leeds United suffered a shock home defeat 2-1 against Birmingham. Middlesbrough and Swansea drew 0-0. Forest won 1-0 at home to Rotherham. Reading sort of resurgence continues. They won 3-0 at home to Hull City. Sheffield United beat Preston 3-2, which we're going to get onto shortly. Stoke lost 3-2 at home against Blackburn Rovers. West Brom beat Millwall 2-0 at home and QPR lost 1-0 at home to Norwich City. Um, we'll come to you first, Lewis. Is there any games in particular out of those that stand out from sort of a, a surprising reason from you? Are there any results that sort of caught your eye over the weekend? Yeah, um, well, obviously, I think the one standout result is the Leeds at home to Birmingham. Um, but the result that that comes to my eye first and foremost is Derby's impressive victory over Brentford. I think Lampard's had a good start to the season, but obviously with him being the starlight of what the championship has been so far, his every game is getting taken game by game with him on whether one game he's the best manager in the championship and the best manager he's ever seen, and then they lose 1-0, and the pundits are back to slating him saying management's not for him. And at home to Brentford, a team that will come at you and they'll, a Brentford would never go to any ground uh, in the Championship. They always show respect and they'll, they'll go and they'll play for three points. And Derby handled them in such a fantastic way. They was able to maintain the ball, free-flowing passing throughout the entire game and never, even when they took the lead, never looked never looked like they wanted to sit back and hold it. As you saw, obviously, all the goals were did come first half, but as you look at the stats, they were still creating chances the second half. And obviously, Joseph Soon and Marriott, who came on late and were both 
unlucky to get a goal, both missing chances. So, yeah, I'd definitely say Derby winning Brentford is the impressive result for me. Yeah, I agree with you there, Derby. You know, we've talked on the podcast about how Frank Lampard's adapting to managerial life, and that was a fantastic win yesterday. I thought they'd, well, I thought they'd probably come on the right end of the result. I thought Brentford had given them a real run for their money against Brentford who've been on fire at the start of this season especially to go 1-0 down after a minute um, you know and come back and, and get those three first half goals was was very impressive the the one that stuck the Blackburn went away at Stoke and obviously Stoke haven't had a fantastic start to the season but you'd expect sort of uh, every time I see them sort of with a fixture at home I expect them to start winning games and picking up points just because of the sheer quality that they've got in their squad and you know to be 3-0 down in the 46 minutes of Blackburn at home for a team that's just come down from the Premier League is, is a massive shock really they got the two goals back in the last 10 minutes and then you know unfortunately for Saido Berahino nothing sort of seems to go right for him recently uh, or over the past sort of year or so missed a stoppage time penalty and you know they could have had sort of a point fighting back from 3-0 down, which would have been fantastic for them. But, you know, we'll get onto it in a bit. I think the pressure's really starting to mount even more so now on Gary Rowett. Um, are there any games in particular for you, Kev, that stood out um, or that you wanted to highlight? Um, well, obviously, Birmingham were, was a big surprise, I think. Um, well, they haven't won all season, so the only lost, but having said that, they only lost two games to Bolton and the Middlesbrough both by 1-0. Uh, obviously did a good, um, had a good result at Sheffield United during the week as well. They have a way of playing that can be very, very annoying. And obviously Gary Monk's got them schooled quite well now to pinch a result like they did yesterday. Uh, they really frustrated us for the whole game really and Obviously, fair play on, on getting a victory. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, obviously I was impressed with Brentford's uh, Derby's win over Brentford as well, as you mentioned. But also impressed with Wednesday's win at Aston Villa. I thought that was a, a, quite a remarkable victory as well, uh, considering what uh, squad Villa have. And uh, Wednesday, been playing quite well recently. And obviously, that they're our next opponent. So it could be an interesting game coming up. And, uh, yeah, as you mentioned again, Blackburn at Stoke, another... Fantastic victory for Blackburn. We've got off to a fantastic start to the uh, uh, season since, you know, after our promotion last season. So, uh, some good results. And obviously, Norwich um, doing quite well with their third consecutive victory as well. So, um, a lot of the teams doing quite well um, this season. And some surprising um, results yesterday. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you quickly, Kev, before we moved on. Obviously, you beat us in midweek, and I was quite impressed with the way you sort of played. I thought that as it's the way we lead over the last few seasons that, you know, there'd be a slight hiccup and then you'd sort of fall off sort of further down the table as the season went on. Do you think, obviously, the defeat yesterday wasn't sort of the best result, but do you think Bielsa can sustain this sort of impressive start to the season over the course of the sort of the next three or four months? I think it's, yeah, there's a a different feel around the place this season compared to previous seasons. You, you get the feeling you're not going to go the whole 46 games without having a few hiccups here and there. Obviously, we had a hiccup yesterday. We're missing key players like Pablo Hernandez and Kimar Roof at the moment. Obviously, Patrick Bamford's out for a, a while with a bad injury. So we're missing some key players, and we are getting some decent re- results without those uh, players in, in the team. Uh, people seem to be stepping up to the mark and taking the place like Roberts did midweek when he got a couple of decent goals. 
But obviously we came a cropper yesterday. Um, it happens. Um, Gary Monk coming back to his old stomping ground with his um, the same backroom staff that he had at Leeds as well. They were always going to try that little bit harder to get a result, I think, yesterday. Um, and it came off for them. Two very scruffy goals they got. but And we couldn't really get back into the game after that. So, yeah, you're going to get hiccups along the way. And I think there is a different feel about the place with Bielsa in charge. He took full responsibility for the... Uh, for the result as well. Not a lot of managers do that these days. They sort of tend to blame certain things, the referee, the certain players not pl- being up to scratch and everything. And he, to be fair to him, he, he takes it on board, uh, blames himself for making a wrong tactical decision during the game. And, um, yeah, going back to Wednesday again, we've got a decent game to try and get back on the uh, on the right side of some good results again. Yeah, sort of moving on to our next topic. Um, it's one that I don't really want to talk about, obviously. I mentioned to the guys off air that at the moment it's a case of Preston letting down my Saturday and I've just about sort of got over it by the time I come around to record the podcast and then, you know, have to talk about how bad we've been again. And I'll sort of go over to you first for this, Lewis. Obviously, you saw us play yesterday. Looking at the table teams that were sort of in and around the playoffs last season for the majority of the season, Preston, Millwall, really sort of struggling this season. Sheffield United are a team, obviously, similar to Preston and Millwall, who've come up from League One in the last couple of years, but you seem to really kicked on. Is there sort of something that you've seen from a Sheffield United point of view that you've done differently to Preston or Millwall? And and if so, what would it be? Uh, Yes, so... Well, I'll start talking about Millwall first and then I can get your opinion on what you think about Preston afterwards. But I think the case with Millwall is they've definitely had like a lack of signings. And I know they do have the smallest budget in the league, barring Rotherham. But when you're losing the likes of George Savile, who was such an influential part of their team last season, and bringing in Ryan Leonard from us. It's not. It's really, really not a like-for-like signing. Um, and then you even look at the other players. I think, for a personal opinion, I think it's only really Tom Bradshaw that would break into that first team and be a constant name on the Millwall team sheet. Um, but then again, with how good Gregory and Morrison had a partnership last season, is he is he going to get ever, ever get some first-team game? The obvious, um, the obvious issue is that they're struggling away from home with Millwall as well. Already, four losses away from home, one being to Rotherham. So, definitely, they're going to have to, maybe a big January window, maybe they need to find some money from somewhere, or maybe it might be a a case of selling Lee Gregory for a bit of money, because I know he did get a couple million Pound transfers in for Lee Gregory over the summer, so maybe it might be a case of selling one of their best players and strengthening the entire team as a whole. Because obviously last season they was riding the momentum wave, what we was, and obviously that's calmed down now, and and they're struggling from it. Moving on to Preston, I'll, I'm not going to lie, I haven't seen much of Preston this season, only off the highlights, but. Just looking from the game against us yesterday, in a game where we would we didn't look particularly fantastic. Yeah, we had some good possession on the ball, and we played some fluid attacking football at times. But just from the get go, 
there didn't really seem to be a structuring Preston's team. There didn't really ever seem to be a formation which was getting stuck. Like I think it seemed like Preston started off the game with a five at the back, three in midfield, two up front to try and counter how we play. And then as soon as as soon as we got the first goal, then it dropped to more of a four-two-three-one. And then when um, Johnson and Barker came on, who don't get me wrong, changed the game entirely. But then it was another a case of another formation change, which went to more like a four-four-two. Um, so I I don't really understand. I think Neil needs to crack down a system that works, as you see with Sheffield United. We're seeing so much success, and I personally think it's down to us for the entire 100 games under Chris Wilder. We've played the same system. We've played the 3-5-2, and, and, with, and each week, each week, barring a few hiccups, it gets better and better and better, and, you've, and we've seen that this season. Um, so, yeah, with, with Preston, and as well, like, obviously... When Johnson and Barker did come on, they brought a fresh approach, and for the, like a ten-minute span, Preston looked an entirely different team, and it was fantastic. Preston got the equaliser; they were playing some brilliant football, but then the heads dropped instantly again after getting an equaliser goal, and then it was just so easy for us to get back into the game. Ender Stevens was given so much room in the box and was able to put an easy cross in and. David McGoldrick was there to tap it in. I don't really know where the key issues is. Personally, I think it's maybe the need of uh, engine in midfield, which maybe when Ben Pearson comes back, maybe he's that engine, which just runs and sits in front of the back four, doesn't tire. And he's the one that helps you grind out a, a draw or a win instead of losing it in the last minutes. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'll sort of touch on Millwall first. I think, yeah, definitely. And a bit like us, they've not really been sort of given the backing. Obviously, small budget doesn't help, but they've not really been given the backing to, you know, improve the team and improve on last season's finish. And it, it mirrors us, really. I said last week on the show, you know, we sold Jordan Hugill and, and Greg Cunningham in the last sort of six months and not reinvested any of that money, which, you know, obviously is massively frustrating for the fans. And, you know... Sheffield United, for example, you know, a team that came up a year after us and uh, done equally as well, but you seem to have now kicked on to that next level. And I think, you know, you brought in players over the summer like Oliver Norwood, who are, are proven at this level. And for Preston, we keep going over to look at places like the League of Ireland and, and trying to do it on the cheap. And, you know, that's only going to get you so far, especially with, you know, everyone else strengthening over the summer. So I think definitely for ourselves in Millwall, that is a real problem. I think, you know, we had fantastic seasons last season, attracted interest, you know, good players move on. You mentioned George Savile, you know, moved on and they've not really replaced him. And it's the same with us, really. You know, we're still crying out for a, a centre forward to replace Jordan Hugill and that's, that's been since January now, so we've had sort of a full transfer window to address it, and we haven't done. But yeah, to move on to the the game yesterday, I completely agree with you, and it's frustrating for a lot of fans that you know players like Brandon Barker aren't getting a proper chance. Neil said all season that you know when the opportunity comes for a player, they've got to take it, and 
you know, in the two rounds of the League Cup so far, Barker's been absolutely fantastic. He scored the the goal against Leeds, which I'm sure Kev will remember in the last round. And, you know, we went to Leeds with not high expectations. He played more or less an entirely different eleven, And the majority of those players, after beating Leeds away, which, you know, many see as like one of these shocks of the round, hardly any of them have got a kick of, of the ball. You know, uh, Story, the young centre-back who we've brought in from Plymouth, looks a real prospect. And as you said, Louis, you know, we look so poor defensively. You know, something's got to change. You can't keep persisting with the same, you know, sort of favoured names, sort of in quotes, that he's he's trusted. I think he needs to freshen it up a bit. And as you said, find a system that, that does suit us and, you know, stick with that. I think far too much this season for us has been too much chopping and changing. The likes of the goalkeepers, you know, we keep rotating. And, you know, it doesn't really sort of build a, a team cohesion, really, if you're chopping and changing. Players don't get used to playing with each other. And, you know, it just becomes the mess that we're in at the moment. Um I wanted to get your opinion, Kev. Obviously, we just talked about Sheffield United for a bit there, doing fantastically well under Chris Wilder and, you know, sticking with their manager. There's been a lot of Dunn fans, really, who've, you know, starting to turn a bit on Neil now and, you know, potentially wanting him out. As a as a Leeds fan, obviously, over the last few years, you've chopped and changed your managers, you know, more often than not, at least once a season. Do you think that's why you've sort of struggled in recent years with all the chopping and changing? And do you sort of see now that you've got Bielsa in charge that you're going to have, you know, him in place for the long run. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, really. We have chopped and changed a lot over the last few seasons, not with just managers, but with owners as well. We've had three or four different owners over the last sort of uh, few years. Um, and now we seem to be a bit more stable with the... Um, uh, Radziani in charge and uh, obviously Bielsa was quite a coup getting him in but he's a very unpredictable character uh, you don't know if he'll, he'll say the course himself really because you know with his previous positions he's just sort of walked away from um, from from the from the club so hopefully he'll stay with us a bit longer but I think stabi- stability is a key issue uh, with clubs these days and we've never had it over the last sort of few years this is the first time really uh, we felt really confident around the club that we've got a decent owner in place and now we've got a decent um, coach as well who seems to know his, uh, you know, knows how to uh, build a team and instill a bit of confidence in that team because 
there hasn't been many changes with the squad from last season. Uh, Barry Douglas from Wolves um, being the biggest sort of change in, in the in the team. A lot of the others have. Uh, uh, were there last season. He's just transformed the whole club, really. He's made them into better players. So I think the coaching side of things is key. I thought, personally, Neil Alex Neil is a decent coach. He did a great job, obviously, in Scotland. And now he did a great job in getting Norwich promoted. So that's why he's got a, some kudos in the game. And I think he will change things around at Preston. But like uh, Louis Cedra, he got to replace these players that he sells. They are missing Hugel a lot, I think. He, he was a big player for them. Same with Millwall. I think they've been sussed out a little bit this season because um, they, they seem to be one-dimensional in the, the style of play. And I think they've been caught out a few times now this season. And they, maybe they'll have to change things around a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, stability is a, is a fantastic thing to have in football. And... A lot of Leeds play Leeds fans like to think we've achieved that so far this season, and hopefully we can continue um, where we started off the season. Really, which you know we, even though we lost yesterday, we're still top of the league, which is a, a great thing to be at this stage of the season. But it only matters really where you are at the end of um, end of April, beginning of May. So hopefully we can keep the Elsa in place and um, build on what we've uh, achieved so far. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And while we're on the subject of stability, um, I'll throw this one over to you, Lewis. Obviously, Chris Wilder, Sheffield United fans love him. You know, you mentioned earlier he's been in charge for, I think you said, 100 games now. And, you know, Sheffield United seem to be getting better and better every time I see him, you know, right up there in the playoff mix at the moment. Um, One team that aren't, though, and wanted to get your opinion, Stoke City, there's a lot of calls now for sort of Rowett to go, the pressure's mounting. Do you think that they should stick with Rowett um, and sort of see the project through for the long run, or do you think an immediate fix is needed? Um, And what would be your personal opinion? Should he stay or should he go? Um, it's It's a really strange one, Rowett at Stoke. Because, obviously, ever since him leaving Birmingham, Rowett seems to be a bit of a poison chalice. And don't get me wrong, he had an okay season with Darwin last season. Getting getting into the playoffs is a great achievement. But even though they did get playoffs, there was still like a bit of a stigma of underachievement at Derby. And, obviously whether it be a money money game or whatever, why Rowett went off to Stoke, it kind of boggled a lot of football fans. Obviously, I'm, no doubt he's probably on a bigger package at Stoke, but there's, uh, there's been a pressure on him to succeed at Stoke before any balls was kicked on the field. Um, so it's not just down to the performances on the pitch or the actual players. I think just down to Rowett himself, he's kind of built up. Only in his short career, he's kind of because he's kind of built up this stigma that he's always got this pressure on him. Because obviously the the story of him at Birmingham and why he left that never really got fully out. There's your fifty percent argument of Blues fans who despise Rowett, and even though they was like third in the table or something crazy when when he got the boot. There was still Blues fans out that wanted him out, whilst the other 50% loved him. But on paper, Stoke should be getting these results. 
they re- they got the funds and they recruited really well. Benny Kaforbi, who's proved that he scores goals in the EFL. Ryan Woods, who, for me, one of the most underrated midfielders in the league. If I could have, if at the start of this season, I could have chose any any midfielder to join Sheffield United, it would have been Ryan Woods. Your likes of Tom Ince, who's proven at Championship level. I think it's Atibo, the Nigerian, who had a great um, World Cup. Um, these aren't just players who you're taking a risk on. These are players that need to be coming in and performing from day one and getting your results. And obviously Stoke aren't getting that. And even when you look, look at the last game against Blackburn, a 3-2 victory was really, really too kind on Stoke. It And, and, the, and the thing is with the game, they could have made it 3-3. It took them 80 minutes to actually get into the game. And then for the last 10 minutes, they looked they looked fantastic. Pre- pressuring on when they're still 3-0 down. But why did it take that long for them to get into the game? Is this Rowett not being a motivator? Or I, I, I really don't know, but we, we, we'll only see. I'd like to see Stoke doing better. Um, cause they've, got, they've got a really good team and they should be playing some good football, but obviously it's yet to come for Rowett. Yeah, and the same question to you, Kev. Obviously, you've seen it from the other side of, of chopping and changing your managers, as, as we touched on earlier. Do you think that Rowett should be given, you know, at least till Christmas at, at Stoke, or do you think an immediate fix is needed? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's strong pressure on the guy, because obviously he's, he made jokes pre-season, didn't he, in the uh, a press conference that, you know, Stoke were favourites to, to go up, and he was making jokes about other clubs, that, you know, not having much of a chance with them being strong favourites. So from the get-go, really, he's been under pressure, because he's got a decent package there at Stoke and some decent players, and they're just not performing for him, really, at the moment, which is a big question mark on, on his coaching ability. Like he's, like Lewis said before, he left Birmingham in a good state when he got uh, uh, surprisingly sacked by them and Zola took over, but he did okay at Derby. Um, like you say, something went wrong there. Obviously, he got into the playoffs, but he didn't progress from there. But with Stoke, I think they were expected to be a top two team this season with automatic promotion and things just out working out, really. Uh, uh, I think everybody expected them to be a lot stronger when we played them on the opening day of the season, but we <clears throat> sort of brushed them aside fairly comfortably and I think the alarm bell should have been ringing from then on in that it's not going to be an easy league to get out of. And um, I don't know, he's got maybe he's a bit arrogant with his coaching at the moment. Maybe he's got uh, got a bit too big for his boots, you know, because he is a big club stoke. They've been in the Premier League for a long time and um, they are struggling this season to get results. So I think question marks, maybe for the first time in his managerial career, because he had a decent spell at Burton, obviously, as well, which got him the Birmingham job. Um, and this is sort of his biggest stumbling block so far as a coach, I think, that is it maybe just too big for him to take on? But I think they will stick with him for a bit longer because there's not that many coaches uh, out there that could maybe take his place at the moment. So they might stick with him till Christmas and just to see how he goes on. But they've got plenty plenty of parachute money in the bag, so they can always reinvest again in January. But uh, it could be a long wait for him to get some results going. 
Yeah, sort of personally, I think they should stick with him. Obviously, the last thing that they need now is, you know, to chop and change. As Lewis mentioned, you know, they've got a fantastic squad. And I think their position at the moment is, you know, one that they will certainly improve on in the next couple of weeks. You know, at the moment, obviously, we touched on the Berahino penalty miss. It's one of them where things just aren't going right for you. Similar to, I don't know if you saw the highlights from uh, the midweek game, Preston Leeds, Kev, your first goal after we've been playing so well in the first sort of half mm. an hour or so, our keeper sort of parried it onto the post yeah. from, a, from a header and our... <clears throat> Our midfielder Johnson went to clear it and you know mm. tripped over the ball and ended up bundling yeah. it over the line. So Very it's scuffy goal, yeah. It was a scuffy yeah, goal. It's, yeah, it's things like that where you know things aren't going for you. They just don't go for you. And I think eventually Stoke, you know, their squad is far too good to be to be where they are at the moment. And I think you know over the course of the season they'll pick up. And I, I, I still sort of expect them to be pushing in around the playoff places. You know, when we get into the sort of the other side of Christmas and into the sort of the home stretch of the season. Um, but one team that sort of looking at the league table and when we were doing our predictions at the start of the season, I didn't have them anywhere near where they they are at the moment is Wigan Athletic. I thought they'd have an okay season, you know, be lower half of mid table, but not do anything too spectacular. So to see them in fifth at the moment, you know, they were a lot higher. I think they were third at one point after the Friday night game before everyone else played. And, you know, two points off the top for a, a team that have just been promoted, you know, after nine games is is fantastic for them. Picking up a 1-0 win on Friday at home to Bristol City. Do you, um, we'll come to you first on this one, Kev. Do you think Wigan can sustain it sort of for the majority of the season? Or do you think that at the moment they're just riding that wave of, of being promoted from League One and they've got that that momentum of, of being used to winning every week? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think they are on the on the crest of the wave, really, um, doing really well. Um, got, I think they've got one of the best players in the championship in in Powell. I think he's, he's a very good player. But there's no big stars in the team. I know they've got Windass from Rangers and a couple of other players. Uh, they've got Walton on loan from Brighton in goal. So they haven't changed too much of the team from last season. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, they are a surprise package, just very much like Sheffield United were last season, maybe Millwall to a, a lesser extent. They both had fairly decent seasons and just missed out, really, on playoff, um, um, on the positions in the playoffs. But, yeah, I think they can they can sustain it, I, I, I believe so, because they um, they've got that momentum from... Uh, from the League One results, um, whether they'll finish in a top six position, um, I don't think they will, because there's so many strong teams around that probably will uh, sort of go ahead of them. But um, fair play to them. I thought they would be struggling a bit by now this season, but they uh, they are doing well and they are, they are a big surprise package. And beating Bristol City on Friday, one of the better teams in the league, it proves that they you know they do mean business and. Um, how long it will last, I don't know, but uh, I think we'll give it a good go anyway. Which you know, which weekend fans will be expected to uh, uh, them to be delivering some decent results. Yeah, you touched on there, obviously Millwall and Sheffield United last season. So yeah, throw it over to you, Lewis. Um, same as when Preston came up from League One a couple of years ago as well. We had a real good start to that first season back. Do you think Wigan can sustain that momentum for, for the majority of the season or do you expect them to sort of run out of steam towards the the Christmas period and sort of beyond? Well, well that's the thing. Um, they started the season pretty much identical to how we started the season last year. 
they've got pretty much on their, the same eleven. You, you you mentioned like they brought in the likes of Josh Windass, Joe Garner, but apart from that, they're pretty much playing with the same eleven that played and won League One last season, which was identical to what we did. We played the same players who were tipped as League One stars, but the momentum just carried on and we played without fear, which is exactly what we're going to do. The only thing that worries me is what what happened to us last season when we was top of the table at November. Paul Coops breaks his leg, our best player that season, and look what happened. We had a two-month period where we could barely get the three points and, and that I think that'll be the same with Wigan. Hopefully, the likes of Nick Powell, Josh Windass's, Sam Moser, hopefully they can keep these players fit and keep on going because, like like I said for us last season, the worst thing when you're riding, when you're riding the momentum and that's what's kicking you on, the last thing you need is losing your best player. And especially with the state of Wigan, um, they're probably they're around the same um, financial budget as us. And when you're losing, when you lose your best player, you go into January just like we did. You don't. You never really have the funds to bring in a replacement. Obviously, we brought in Lee Evans, who now has got onto Wigan and seems to be playing some of the best football, um, just like he did in the League One season for six months. Um, so hopefully, hopefully for them, uh, they can continue it. And I do think because it wouldn't be a wouldn't be the first time that a League One team has come up and took the lead by storm and snuck off a playoff spot and got promoted. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, they've had that fantastic start to the season and it's testament to, you know, how Paul Cook's got on playing. You both touched on not really changing their side too much from last season and keeping that core of players together. And it's exactly the same as you said, Lewis, like Sheffield United did, like Preston did, like Millwall did. So I think there's definitely something behind in, behind that. Obviously, it's easy when you get promoted to splash the cash straight away and, you know, almost entirely change your team. But you know, as we saw with Sunderland last year, albeit they came down from the Premiership, had a complete sort of change around the players and they never really sort of gelled. So from the other side of the coin, you know, they've they've done fantastically well. And I think, you know, which takes me quite nicely on to my next topic, the league is so tight this season, you know, looking at the table after nine games. Last year, looking back at it, there was already, you know, little sort of pockets of teams starting to form. You know, Wolves were we're sort of pushing ahead and the table this year first down to 12th is separated by four points, which, you know, I don't think after sort of nine games, it's, it's been repeated too much. So I think definitely Wigan, you know, can sustain it as long as, as you said, Lewis, they don't lose sort of any key players um, whether that's to injury or in the January transfer window. Um, but yeah, on that topic of the league being so tight this season, do either of you two, um, we'll go to you first on this, Kev, do either of you to expect sort of one team to run away with the league this year? I know sort of chatting to a few of my mates at Preston, we sort of looking at the table think it's going to go right to May with a good sort of three or four teams, you know, all competing for the automatic promotion places, which, you know, will make a, a hell of an exciting season. Do you see one team breaking away and running away with the league? Obviously, welcome to you, Kev. I, I know you'd love that to be Leeds top at the moment. Um, but how do you see this sort of season panning out and the table taking shape? 
Yeah, good point. You know, obviously, I'd love Leeds to run away with things, but I don't think there's going to be a, a Wolves or a, a Newcastle this season where one team sort of dominates most of the results and sort of makes it fairly comfortable by January, February that you're going to think they're going to do it quite comfortably. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of teams involved this season. Like you said, going down to 12th position, Blackburn four points behind us, things can change dramatically, obviously, but even Villa and Swansea, they're on 13 points and you look at Bolton on 12. So, you know, there's a lot of teams in it um, at the moment that you could, you can't really pick out what, you know, when in a 46 game season, it's difficult to sustain a, a consistent sort of run of results. And you're gonna have you're gonna have a few blips, some you know, along the way. Um, so it's it's the strong teams that sort of come from that, really. And obviously, when you look at some of the squads, I mean, West Bromwich Albion, they've got a, a massively strong squad. Um, Middlesbrough too, they've they've got a strong uh, squad as well under Pulis. And you look at those and you think, are they going to be the teams really that are going to dominate things? But it's hard to say, really. It's, it's, after nine games, it's still early, early, early doors, as to say. But uh, it's it's difficult to say anybody anybody will run away with this league this season um, because a lot of the teams, like proven yesterday, are beating each other. You know, Birmingham beaters, um, Millwall are beating Derby. They've only lost. Um, you know, three games so far this season. So teams are beating each other this season, and it's. I think it's going to go all the way to the wire. Really, the top six positions are going to be. I don't think they're going to be settled really until late until the season. I think that, that's what makes this probably division the probably the most exciting division in Europe really, because there's so many strong teams in it. Former Premier League sides itching to get back into the big league again. Uh, you get League One teams getting promoted and doing really well like Wigan. So it's it's a very strong division and it's obviously a division we'd love to get out of for the right reasons, but uh, um, I can't see any, like back, back to your original question, I can't really see anybody running away with things at the moment in time. Yeah, and the same question to you, Lewis. If sort of anyone, do you expect someone to run away with it or do you think the league will be a lot tighter this season? Yeah, I think I think definitely it is the tightest we've ever seen the division. And um, obviously, I don't want to bring it back to like the money conversation within football, but this has probably been the first ever championship season where there's been so many teams that have gone on and spent over ten million pounds. It wasn't just like last season where Wolves spent over twenty million pound, or the season before where. Newcastle were the big spenders and everyone else did spend money but never it was never going to be enough to match the champions this season like you said the top 12 there's what four points splitting it and um, tell me if I'm wrong but I think the entire of the top um, 12 apart from Sheffield Wednesday who obviously was on an embargo until deadline day have spent over five million pounds at least You've even got the likes of us, Sheffield United, one of the lowest budgets in the league. But when we're now getting to the point where we're able to break our transfer record on a defender, um, it's not the championships was changed completely. You think back to the signing before John Egan for us, we're ten seasons ago and we spent three million pound on James Beater, and 
the entire championship was like, whoa, a team of the championship can spend that much money on a player. And now £3 million, that's not much at all, even in the second division. Um, and I think with every other country in the league, you don't get that. Uh, in Spain, Spain's second division, France's second division, Germany's second division, there's barely any, if none, no teams that are spending this kind of money. And obviously with your with your teams coming back from the um the Premier League, your likes of your Stoke, your West Brom, Swansea, they none of those teams have come down this year and looked like they're gonna dominate. All three teams who've not just gone up and come straight back down. West Brom, they, I think they had some like six years in the Premier League. Stoke, how many? Swansea, a couple of seasons. And you'd, you would think that they'd be able to come down with the funds and with the players that they'll have got over the years would be able to then sell on and bring in entirely new squads, which which doesn't happen because now the other championship teams can compete. So it, it'd be interesting if a team like Wigan could... or, or Sheffield United, in fact, could like push on and really give the championship a good go, and then compete with the other the, your biggest spenders like your Middlesbrough and West Brom. But then, even if we did, it's not it, it it's not it's now not the the fairy tale dream of your Burton's coming up into the championship anymore because even the smaller teams nowadays have funds. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and you made that point about the. Uh... You know, three million nowadays is nothing, which absolutely killed me because Preston's um, record transfer is still one million pounds <laughs> to this day, which you know is just sort of laughable and goes back to the point I made about you know the owners not reinvesting the money. But you know, it's a different conversation for a different day. Um, before we sort of wrap up, I just wanted um, obviously there's midweek games this week. Uh, there's a few league cup games, which I won't sort of touch on. Um, it's one of our only wins this season where we actually knocked out Leeds. Um, Kev, just thought I'd bring that up. Um, <laughs> we'll focus on the games next weekend and I'll, I'll come to you first, Kev. Sheffield United away on Friday night. There's a double header on on Friday night with uh, Bristol City Villa, but then yourselves going away to Sheffield Wednesday. How do you see the game going? Obviously Sheffield Wednesday of started a lot better than they did last season. Do you expect it to be a tricky game? And do you think that you can get back to winning ways after that shot defeat against Birmingham? Yeah, and it's going to be a difficult game. Obviously, they tore us apart there last season when they beat us 3-0. could have been a lot worse. Uh, but then again, it could be a, a strong game to get back into after after a defeat as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, doing, they're having a fairly decent season at the moment. Um uh, he hasn't made too many changes from last season uh, due to the sort of embargo they've had. He hasn't had much chance, really. So he's had to stick with what he's got. And um, they are repaying him a little bit now. And they're doing quite well in the league. Tenth, I think they're about 10th position, really. Just four points behind us. So if they beat us, they'll be just a point behind us. So it shows you how tight this league is. But, yeah, I think it's going to be obviously an interesting game, a derby game. Bielsa hasn't really been involved in too many derby games so far this season. And I think he'll, with the Hillsborough atmosphere being as it is on a Friday evening, it might sort of uh, be a case of welcome to the championship, I think, to Bielsa. And hopefully 
we'll be ready for it after a very poor game yesterday. But like I said before, it's a fantastic game maybe to get back to winning ways as well. So because when you win a champ, when you win a, a derby game, it's uh, it boosts the rest of the season really, and uh, it's a great opportunity for us. I'll I'll have to ask you for a score prediction. What what do you think the score will be? Um, as op- optimistic as you can be. Yeah, um, I'll go. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Actually, I think we it could be a five-goal thriller with us sort of edging it three-two. Nice. So yeah, um, move on to you, Lewis. A place that last season I don't think any team enjoyed going to was down to Millwall, who you've got on Saturday. Obviously, we touched on them struggling so far this season. Do you expect Sheffield United to carry on their um, sort of impressive start to the season, and do you expect it to be a tricky game? Yeah, um, like you said, going down to the Den, it's never a nice place. Millwall, over the past two seasons, having such a good home record that even though we've probably got them at the best time of the season, where they're sitting in the relegation zone, just come off a poor loss to West Brom and um, you'd think we should be going into the game and and giving them a good hiding with how well at times this season we have played um, whether we'll do that I'm very unsure um, with how well like you mentioned earlier Brody bringing in Ollie Norwood how well he's sat into the team this season He's it was only midweek um, against Birmingham the only game he played where he hasn't been involved in a goal, either getting a goal or assist. So he's definitely influential and he looks the part next to John Fleck, bringing, making John Fleck look even better. So we're, we're really in a good place. Obviously, Paul Coots soon to be coming back, who for six months last season was our best player. So it's interesting to see where he now fits into our team with how well we're playing. Um, if I were to give a score prediction, I'm going to be optimistic um, and I'm going to say we're going to edge it with a 2-1 victory. Yeah, and Preston have got a, a really, I was going to say tricky, but you know, I'd, I'd be sort of lying. It's going to be a really difficult home game against West Brom on Saturday afternoon. You know, West Brom third in the league at the moment, a point off the top and we're rooted down at the bottom in 24th, which I know Jake was laughing at me off air um, beforehand about sort of where we are in the league. So I, I don't know what to expect really from the game. You know, I'd like to think the players have got enough about them that there's going to be a reaction, you know, back at home after the sort of the awful start to the season. Uh, Score-wise, it's got to the stage where, you know, we just can't keep a clean sheet. We can't sort of get a win. So I'd be, as daft as it sounds, I'd be delighted with a nil-nil draw or something like that just to stop the rot of, of these consecutive defeats and, you know, try and just get some points on the board, you know, as quick as possible to to push us up the league a little bit. Um, do I think it's going to be a nil-nil draw? No. Um, I think West Brom, you know, have too much attacking talent that they won't score. So I think, uh, realistically, you'd probably the best I could hope for is is probably a score draw, like a one or two all. But, you know, if we play like we did last season, you know, it's a game that I'd not expect us to win, but I'd be optimistic that we, we could go out and get something. But, you know, the way it's gone at the moment, uh, anything could happen, really. So what I'm not particularly looking forward to, the next two games for us are really difficult. West Brom at home and then Aston Villa away, so... 
we're playing all these teams that are in fine form at the wrong time. But after those two games, our fixtures do sort of ease up a bit. So if we can get anything from, you know, these two games, I'll be delighted and we can hopefully sort of look to build some momentum then. Um, but yeah, score-wise, I'll, I'll go for a one-all. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you two want to let everyone know where they can find you and any projects that you're involved in, now would be a good time. Right. Um, I'm Lewis and I've represented Sheffield United on the podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore. Hi, uh, um, Lee, Kevin Markey, Leeds United Mad website and the Leeds United underscore Mad. If you also listen to a pod called Fat Chance Pod, you can hear a great rendition of uh, a chant called Bielsa Rhapsody, which is absolutely amazing for our Leeds fans. And also Ryan Wilson from the Pigeon Detectives. There's an excellent pod, uh, podcast called LS11 LUFC, which I am involved in now and again. So listen out for those. Yeah, and as I said at the start of the show, you can follow me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. And more importantly, you can reach us on the show at Championship Pod, where the new episodes each week are our pinned tweet. And there's also a lot of polls and, and that kind of thing to get involved with. So definitely give us a follow and that way you won't miss any new shows that are posted. Um, cheers for joining me today, guys. It's been a pleasure to have you both on. And, you know, this episode's absolutely flown by. Um, hopefully it's not too long before we get you on again. Um, but with that, we're out of time. So we'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.